You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It is hour two of Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon and Peter Klein along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's been a busy day here. Lots of NHL news as All-Star Weekend kicks off in Toronto. Future of international hockey finally looks promising. The NHLPA is not happy with Coyotes' ownership as they continue to look for a permanent home in the desert. Also chatted with Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet about the prospects coming back to Calgary and that trade with Elias Lindholm and the Vancouver Canucks. Looking ahead to the draft class that has, with at least right now, two first-round picks for the Calgary Flames. So if you missed any of that, make sure to check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We'd love to have you along for the ride. We're still busy here in hour two. We'll close off the week with the Friday DMs. If you've got questions for us, shoot them into 960-960. No holds barred. Doesn't have to be just Flames, PK. You want to talk NHL All-Star? You want to talk International? I've seen a WrestleMania question come in there already. Uh, Get them into 960-960. Open the Friday DMs coming up a little bit later on this hour. But we're kicking off Hour 2 with the Sports Drive at 5, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. As you know, Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors. If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. We thought Calgary and Vancouver would be the only all-Canadian trade we got during the All-Star break. Boy, we were wrong. Former Flames Sean Monaghan now on his way to the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for a first-round pick and a conditional third-round pick in 2027. Going back to the Montreal Canadiens and to help us break it all down from the Jets' perspective, very happy to welcome in our pal Murat Atesh from The Athletic, covers the Winnipeg Jets. Murat, thanks for the time, man. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. No, appreciate the time. Uh, look, uh, All-Star break, we uh, talked a little earlier, it used to be a pretty calm time. We used to argue over jerseys and uh, skill competitions, and now this week's given us uh, just a ton to talk about in the latest today, this uh, trade between the Jets and the Habs. What did you kind of make of it when the news broke today? Well, Sean Monahan is someone that Winnipeg has had their eye on for a while. So his name wasn't a shock. The fact that the Jets were interested in a player like him, that made sense. I think that Elias Lindholm news that I'm sure you guys have been all over in the last uh, last little while um, has really kick-started things. And for Winnipeg, who liked Monaghan, it was a sense of, okay, well, this is the guy that's on the market that checks our, our boxes. We value him. We value his character, the face-offs, the power play impact, all of that. Well, we'd better step up and make sure that we're not left on the outside looking in because I think the Jets really believe this can be a special year for them. Did you feel like it was uh, a pivot move from Kevin Chevel day off after Lindholm got traded that Maybe And maybe it's more to your point that they just didn't want to be left without a partner, but did you think that maybe there was interest from Winnipeg when it came to Lindholm and they, that's why they pivoted to Monaghan now? I would think there was some interest from Winnipeg and Lindholm. How could there not be just based on the player's quality? But that's the player I always imagined would kind of get into a bidding war situation. I didn't see Winnipeg paying that kind of price that Vancouver did. So Sean Monaghan has been someone that I've been touting just on the understanding that Winnipeg has liked him for a while and to sort of know why that would be a number one target or amongst the top targets for the Jets. It's really about knowing what's working well in Winnipeg this year and what's not. The Jets 
are a tremendous team at five on five this season, a really good defensive team at five on five. They have two lines figured out really well and one that needed a scorer who could win faceoffs in a secondary sort of role. Mark Shifley, that top line with Gabriel Velarde, Kyle Connor, that's that. Adam Lowry has a checking line that Rick Bonus just loves to use in heavy minutes and tough competition. But Nikolai Ehlers, really dangerous five-on-five scorer. Cole Perfetti, young player, lots of offensive ability. They're sort of the next guys up, and they haven't had a center who could win faceoffs that the coaching staff trusted. And I think that's a really big deal for the Jets. The other area that hasn't been good is Winnipeg's power play, and they really wanted that face-off ability and that bumper spot because where Monaghan has played for Montreal in their power play is one of the many areas where Winnipeg has need on the power play. You kind of mentioned there that it would be Ehlers and Perfetti that, that Monaghan would be with. Uh, that is um, quite the, the responsibility. Like Ehlers is a player who I've loved for a long time and Perfetti is going to be a part of uh, the, the next wave of very good young Winnipeg Jets. So a uh, bit of a, a responsibility there. Get a couple important young pieces kind of across the finish line here with Winnipeg. How do you think that fit is five on five with those three? I think the key is going to be twofold. One is the way Bonus runs his matchups. They're not going to get the toughest defenders. They're not going to get the toughest matchups like Shifley and Lowry are going to get. So they're going to have to be able to produce with those secondary minutes, as I keep calling them. And in terms of chemistry, there, there are a couple of ways to make that line click if you're Sean Monaghan. One, win those face-offs every single time. That'll get you minutes, and that'll get those guys minutes because they've been off in the third line, even though they line up uh, second coming off the bench sometimes. And the other thing is find a way to unlock Nikolai Ehlers' speed. Like you said, he's a, just a phenomenal player to watch. He's one of the elite five-on-five point scorers. If Monaghan can read the ice, stretch pass for Ehlers, run breakouts that use Ehlers' speed, and Winnipeg's been good at this all season long, um, that's going to be where the Jets get out of their own zone, into the offensive zone, and get creating. And I think that's going to be an important thing for that group. The getting a, a second line center was obviously top priority for Winnipeg. And then they prove as such giving up a, a couple of draft picks. What else would be on, on Kevin Sheveldayoff's to-do list as we approach the trade deadline here? Yeah, it's interesting because we're a month out and he sort of filled that one major forward hole. I think on defense, there is room to, to add yet. Um, I'm not sure if the Jets are shopping in that um, in that premier top four aisle that I might call Chris Tanev. Certainly his brother Brandon Tanev played in Winnipeg for a lot of years, loved it. He was a very popular player with the fans. It's kind of that Tanev way to work that hard all of the time, block the shots and put your heart on the line. I think that fans appreciated that. If it's not somebody like him, though, if it's not someone quite as premier as that, I think they're going to be looking for veterans with cup experience that they can sort of slot in, um, you know, on the six, seven, eight spot of, of their D uh, depth part. Um, I think, though, that one of the key things is that Winnipeg has cap space. It's going to be most of three million by deadline day, and there's a month for them to size that up. So I don't think they're done. What's been the reaction in Winnipeg to the price paid by Kevin Sheveldayoff to get this deal done, Moran? Kind of a range. I think that. A first-round pick on principle seems expensive and feels expensive to some, and that's a that's a valid perspective. I think there's some that looked at the Lindholm trade as a as a bit of a bar setter and and a market changer in terms of Sean Monahan being, 
you know, a scarce resource. There aren't a ton of quality centers meant to be available at this stage. So I think some folks are looking at it through that lens. Uh, more than anything, though, there's a little bit of swagger in Winnipeg this season. And it goes back to last deadline when Cheval Dayoff added Niederreiter and Amesnikov for not that much. Um, the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade has worked wonders in Winnipeg. There's a lot of optimism. So what I'm picking up is more, well, hey, our first round pick is going to be really late in the first round anyways. And Winnipeg has Montreal's second round pick this year, which is going to be early in the second round. I think there's just a sense that this is a team worth spending on. And there's a lot of optimism in Winnipeg in general. You look at where the, the Jets are in the standings. As of right now, they sit third in the Central Division, but two points back of Colorado with games in hand on both the Avalanche and the Stars. W- with this move, obviously, we've talked about there's a month to go to the trade deadline. Dallas and Colorado may look a little bit different, but with this move now, do you think that this could separate Winnipeg from those two? I mean, that's the hope, I think, for Winnipeg, but I expect that those teams are you know, working on their own things at this stage. I think that those three teams towards the top of the central, the ones that you just named, that's the class of the division. And it's going to be a dogfight to make sure that, you know, to fight for top spot, to play against a wild card team instead of one of your rivals like that, or, you know, just to make sure that the quality of competition in that first round is manageable. So I don't know that this separates Winnipeg outright, but it'll certainly keep pace as everybody tries to push forward. Is there a chance that the Sean Monahan's around for more than just the back half of this season, Murat? Like, is this is there any possibility that Winnipeg extends this to just being more than a rental this season? Well, Shovel Dayoff was asked about that today, and basically he 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 kicked the can down the road. He said he'd only just gotten the talk to Sean this uh, this morning, and that it's a bit early in that process. Uh, the Jets have room, depending on what the cap hit would look like. But they also have most of their forwards under contract. And certainly, I think it's a bit early to know how Monaghan himself feels about the fit. I suppose the best I could say is the Jets might be open to it. But uh, I think what's going to happen down the stretch is going to dictate a lot of it. Uh, Winnipeg had had quite a run of barely allowing any goals in hockey games that that kind of came to an end here. Um, Three straight losses to go into the All-Star break, albeit against two very good teams, Boston and and Toronto. Uh, Was there any kind of concern going into the All-Star break with a a couple of tough losses there? Yeah, I think the Jets needed a reset at that period. You know, Mark Scheifele had been out of the lineup a little bit. There was some injury trouble there. Some of the guys that were in the lineup were game-time decisions. Gabriel Velarde was that as well. I think it was a banged and bruised team, and they were playing against very good teams who played great games against them. So, you know, looking back at that January stretch, there was a dip in play. That was palpable. That was real. I think it's within the realm of, of reasonable, though. This isn't like last season in Winnipeg, if you guys noticed. Most of the points Winnipeg piled up were in the first half of the season, and they tapered off towards the back half. I think this team is of a, of a much higher quality than that and probably is going to keep winning down the stretch. I, I looked at Winnipeg going into this season as a team that was maybe getting slept on a little bit. And I, I think a lot of people thought that maybe because of the playoff exit, like the, the, the time had kind of come and gone for this group, but there was still a lot of talented hockey players on this team. So I thought Winnipeg could certainly be a playoff team. Uh, I did not see in contention for top spot in the Western Conference uh, necessarily in Winnipeg's future. How have the Jets kind of turned into this team that is a, a real threat at the top of the Western Conference this year? Yeah, that's a compelling storyline. I mean, you know, heading into the offseason, certainly Pierre-Luc Dubois was going to be traded. Blake Wheeler ended up being bought out. But there was a thought at one point that Mark Scheifele and Connor Hellebuck might even have to be traded away. And what would the Jets possibly do if that was the case? Um, instead, 
The Dubois trade yielded some really good players. Gabriel Velarde has been a great fit. Alex Iafalo as well. Rasmus Kupari plays a little further down the lineup. It turns out that Nino Niederreiter and Vladislav Nemesnikov, who the Jets picked up at last year's trade deadline, and they got really good 20-game segments out of each player, well, them for a full season is having its impact as well. Cole Perfetti's taken another step. Morrissey's been great. Connor Hellebuck's been very good. But all of this, though, probably is secondary to the impact of coaching. Uh, the second year that Bonus has been behind the bench, all the players who are in Winnipeg want to be in Winnipeg now that Dubois is gone. And at five on five, everybody's bought into this new defensive system. They're playing a zone. They're protecting the middle of the ice. You can watch the way that no matter what's happening in the Jets' defensive zone, they commit three guys between the, the dots and into the slot. They don't lose their, their men. They don't lose their zones. And they don't fall back into playing the man-to-man defense that they had struggled with for several years. The habits are really good. And I think that the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for elevating that group of quality players that you mentioned to actually playing a really quality five-on-five game. I know it's probably not fair to, to say who won or lost until maybe a couple years down the road, but is there a little bit more sweet irony today for pa- fans in Winnipeg, Marat, that uh, the Jets are where they are making moves to look towards a considerable playoff run while a team like the LA Kings, where Pierre-Luc Dubois now resides, is firing their head coach and there's wonders about his fit in Los Angeles? I, I can't imagine this has turned any better than anyone in Winnipeg could have expected uh, when that trade went down. Well, I saw social media abuzz with words like coach killer this morning in (laughs) Winnipeg. And I'm sure there's some schadenfreude there for sure. And I mean, you have to like to be a Winnipegger, you know, I, I I've been in Manitoba since age three. I've been in Winnipeg for 20 years. We're an underdog city. You count anyone in Winnipeg out. You you focus on the Torontos and the Vancouver's and the New York's of the world, the Los Angeles's of the world. We get a little bit ornery about it. We get a bit competitive. And for Dubois to scorn Winnipeg, to go to L.A., which is where his dreams are meant to come true. And believe me, he's a quality player. He'll figure it out, even if he's not always at the top of his game. But it left a sour taste in a lot of Jets fans' mouths. And I think that Winnipeg is more than happy to have the success that L.A. isn't right now. Uh, I completely disagree with Logan. I think you can call this a win for Winnipeg right now. <laughs> I, I feel pretty comfortable. Uh, so I, I, this, this particular election desk is, is calling this one for, for Winnipeg. Uh, but on the players that, that are with the Jets, you've talked about like the fit. How, how have they kind of enhanced things out in Winnipeg? Yeah, well, Gabriel Velarde is a really interesting one. He, he did get hurt early on, which interrupted this. But the way he plays hockey is such a tremendous fit with Mark Shifley in particular, with Kyle Connor as well. One thing that he does, you know, better than many players in the NHL, many players who make more money and score more points than him, when he's protecting the puck on the wall, he has a sense of vision. His head is always up and he's making the right reads. And it's a it's a very similar game to what Mark Shifley does, the way he protects the puck, head on a swivel, eyes on the back of his head. He's like a like when you're driving and you shoulder check and you know where every car is in the lane sort of deal, that's the way those guys play hockey. It's very cerebral. And I think it's been a tremendous amount of chemistry there. Mark Shifley raves about his qualities in that way as well. Um, and so Velarde's just been somebody whose head's always up and whether it's shooting, protecting the puck or making the right pass, he's just making offensive plays more dangerous. So that's been tremendous. Alex Iafalo has been more of a, 
you know, win the digger award type player, uh, a lot of four checks, a lot of back checks and, and sort of just the coaching staff has slotted him up and down the lineup, depending on how, uh, how well he's been playing at any given moment. Kupari has been hurt and has just got back into the lineup as well, but everybody's contributing. And I think that Winnipeg is, uh, is certainly trying to trumpet its depth and all three players contribute to that. That's for sure. Uh, just looking at the the stats here, the Winnipeg Jets have allowed the fewest goals in the NHL by 16 right now. Um, that is a, a considerable amount, and I, I would imagine a lot of that is due to the play of uh, of Connor Hellebuck. How important is it? I mean, super in depth hockey question. Hey, is the goalie important? But how how important <laughs> is it for 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 this this Jets team to have Connor Hellebuck playing the way we know he can be? Well, it's the difference between them, you know, fighting to to compete for a playoff spot or a wild card spot and uh, competing for the top of the standings. This isn't the Jets team of a few years ago. You remember Calgary beat them in the play-in series in 2020. That year, Connor Hellebuck was the only reason the Jets were there at all. The team didn't have defense. The commitment wasn't there. The roster wasn't as good. This is a quality roster that's bought in, is playing the right way. Hellebuck tells me, like he's told me multiple times, the the quality of chances have gone down. The team's commitment to defense has improved. Um, And so his life is a little bit easier. And at the same time, it's probably the best season he's played since that Vezina winning year. And I think there could be hardware in his future as well. And certainly he's an enormous part of the Jets' success. Speaking of hardware, would the coach be in line for uh, Jack Adams' award if you were uh, getting a vote today, Murat? If the Jets keep this up, yeah, he'd be in that list. I think Montgomery and Boston's done some tremendous work. You know, there's 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 really um, there's a lot of positive stories. Obviously, Vancouver would be another one. But if Winnipeg continues to do what what they've done, I think Rick Bonus is a, is a valid consideration for sure. Uh, Murat, great stuff, man. Really appreciate the insight. Thanks for hopping on with us. I know it's always uh, a busy day. We had one of those recently ourselves, so uh, we know what that's like. So thanks for giving us some time here in Calgary, man. Oh, Sweat, thanks very much for having me, guys. Anytime. Murata Tesh joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He covers the Winnipeg Jets for the Athletic. And this is a really interesting trade, uh, Klein. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big price to pay for Winnipeg. Uh, I like how Murat, you know, sort of lays it out there that you do have Montreal second. So when you even it out, when it's all said and done, if you're Winnipeg, you're kind of hoping that maybe there's less than 10 spots between where that first would be and where their second is from Montreal, like, yeah. I think that's probably the the best that you can hope for in that spot. That's not a bad spot to be in. No, it's a bit of a safety net, and it, it's a Winnipeg Jets team. Like when you're when you're competing for top spot in the Western Conference, I would suggest you care not about first round draft picks, in my opinion, especially in a draft year that doesn't seem like it's as transformational as other ones have been. Don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to roll with it. It works. Um, you knew what I was getting yeah. at anyway. And th- this was an obvious area of need for for Winnipeg. Like I, I, you, you just see it on paper, and it's um, a first round pick and a conditional third, I think, for uh, for Sean Monahan. That seems steep to me personally, considering where Sean Monahan is at in, in his career currently. However, he is so very clearly now the second best center on the the Winnipeg Jets. A first round pick this year maybe doesn't carry the same weight as it would in other years. And this this is a Jets team where the the, the margins are so thin between them and Dallas and Colorado and even up to to Vancouver in the the Pacific Division that even just getting 10% better might be enough to get you into pretty special territory in the Western Conference. I love this Jets team a lot. Uh, there are a lot of pieces on this team that I really, really like. 
I, I am interested at the, the Monaghan Ehlers Perfetti fit. And we, we will see the big thing too, with this whole conversation, Sean Monaghan by the end of every season in Calgary was basically the dude from operation. So hopefully he can stay healthy here and be part of a, a big run in Winnipeg. Cause I think they have a lot of the pieces that you would like. And some different expectations now, uh, with all due respect to Montreal, there hasn't been a lot of pressure on Sean to, no, you know, excel or, you know, come up with wins. That's going to change pretty quick here. And, uh, you know, if you were telling me this was the guy in his early years in Calgary that Winnipeg was getting as their number two center, I would have said, yeah, all day makes a lot of sense. But yeah. I am very curious after all the injuries that he's been through that you mentioned, um, can he keep up? at that type of level for a team that now fancies themselves as a Stanley cup contender uh, in that division where they've got a lot of tough teams uh, to deal with, with the likes of Colorado and uh, Dallas just in the top three there. Uh, so appreciate Murat joining us. Also did want to mention a lot of people have brought up uh, the great asset management by Montreal. Um, yeah. And it's hard not to love it from a Montreal perspective. Yeah. Uh, you got a first round pick for taking this guy from Calgary and you now acquired another one and another pick to give him away. Uh, it's exactly what you do if you're Kent Hughes and you thought about this process. It's worked out perfectly. Um, and as many as I've seen on Twitter in Calgary have pointed out, um, perhaps uh, another slight to the Brad Living era that sees a lot of guys leaving Calgary that either costed them something or netted them nothing. Yeah. And maybe explains why Craig Conroy is so keen on asset retention. Yeah, and I do think this one is a touch unfair, but when you look at the grand scope of everything, it's like, well, it's tough to try to explain away all of them. But this one, you, you made this move with a guy who was superbly banged up uh, so that you could go out and acquire Nazem Kadri. Like, th this, in a vacuum, that move makes a whole lot of sense. But yes, in the, the grander scope of things, it is certainly another brick in the wall, for sure. Uh, when we come back, we're closing out the week with a new feature. It's the Friday DMs. We put an upgrade on your regular everyday mailbag. You have questions. Me and Peter might have answers, uh, but we're opening up uh, the topics for you. It's not just Calgary Flames. It's not just hockey. Whatever you want to ask about on the Friday DMs is coming up next. You can start sending your questions in to 960-960. We open the Friday DMs and close out another week here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Before we get to our new segment, the Friday DMs, remind you of a couple things. First things first, this is the Sports Drive at 5. It's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Do you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Also, coming up March 22nd, at the Flames Community Arena, the Sportsnet 960 Beer League broadcast is going down. Announced earlier this Friday by the morning show, they have selected their entry. Over the week, me and Pat, representing Team Afternoon, have scoured through the numerous entries of Beer League teams, and our matchup is set. Representing the Afternoon team will be the Arctic Monkeys. Ooh. Uh, the morning show has gone with the Dream Team, hmm. which I think is very presumptuous. Yeah. But I... That'd be was, a good get if it was the 92 If dream it team. was the Dream Team? Yeah. Great yeah. get. Don't yeah. know how well they do at hockey, 
but uh, we personally loved the Arctic Monkeys' use of beer league hockey as a way to avoid their wives. Mm. It was a good selling point for us. So the Arctic Monkeys versus the Dream Team is our beer league broadcast showdown at Flames Community Arena's March 22nd. Each team going to be getting custom jerseys thanks to our friends at Tuxedo Source for Sports. We're also going to have an after party together at Wild Rose Brewery. Uh, Wild Rose Brewery serving up premium craft beer to Albertans since 1996. Whether you're looking for a finely tuned craft lager or a robust porter, they got something for everyone. Find them around Alberta at their tap room in the Curry Barracks. Tune into live play-by-play of all the subpar hockey action. <laughs> Puck drop at 6.30. If you want uh, full event details, head to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Do us proud, Arctic Monkeys. You got Steinberg and Logo on your, sc- uh, on your side. Uh, as it's the Battle of the Beer League broadcast, March twenty second. I fill in on both shows, so I'm going to stay. Uh, I'm going to stay Switzerland in this one. That's fair. I just hope everyone has a good time. Go refs! Yeah, Team Tron. Yeah, as the celebrity ref. <laughs> uh, PK, we got a new way to end off the week here on uh, the afternoon show. Everybody does a mailbag, you know, kind of yeah. let the listeners into things. We thought we would do an expanded version and bring the mailbag into the twenty first century. We're going to hand things over. To the listeners to help us close out our Friday shows. Cam, it's time for the first edition of the Friday DMs. Who still uses that old mailbox? Time to bring it into the 21st century. Your burning questions answered on the Friday DMs. Logan Gordon and Peter Klein along with you. If you're listening live, 960-960. We give you no limits. This nope. isn't a Flames mailbag. This isn't an NHL mailbag. It might not even be a sports mailbag. It might not be. Do you want dating advice from Cam? Do you want car advice from Klein? <laughs> Do you want to know what Peter Klein's favorite bus route in the city of Calgary is? What's Cam's go-to order at Subway? Why does Logan still have this job? You can ask any of those questions. Look, some questions don't have answers. They don't. That's one of them. <laughs> My boss is listening. Thank you very much for the paycheck every two weeks. I appreciate it very much. We turn it over to you. 960-960. We've already got questions. You can continue to send them in, but this is how we're going to close out the week on Friday. It's a chance for you to chime in on anything you want to. Again, Logan, PK along with you, our outstanding producer, is Cam Hughes. We start with Wedley in Bridalwood. Wedley, a longtime listener of Sportsnet 960, occasional Flames talk post game call in expert with Pat Steinberg as well. And I knew this was going to come up, <laughs> but well, this is what happens when you have the former host of Combat Central along right. with you. Uh, Wedley starts us off with PK. What will the main event for night one and two be for WrestleMania? The timing of this is amazing uh, because uh, cheap plug here. Um, Coach Potato Diary podcast. It's a fight in football Friday uh, coming up. It's coming out later today. Uh, I'm running through the my entire predictions for WrestleMania night one and night two after the the Royal Rumble. So I I am well prepared for uh, for this one. My night one main event maybe lacking a bit of star power, but I am going uh, Damian Priest against Sami Zayn for the World Heavyweight Title. Uh, it's kind of a triple main event on night one. I have Jimmy and Jay Uso wrestling each other and Braun Breaker against Gunter for the IC title on night one. And then night two, it has to be the tribal tree chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns Ooh. against 
Cody Rhodes looking to finish his story at WrestleMania 40 in uh, in Philadelphia. So that's that. Those are my night one and night two main events. But check out Couch Potato Diary wherever you get your podcast for the full card. Uh, part two of Wedley's question is: I don't know if you've um, been a, a part to this as much as as others on the afternoon show. Yeah. Um, he also asks, "What's the max you would pay for Cam's car?" Yeah, I, I have uh, heard of. I feel like I've only scratched the surface on a number of the the issues that Cam has had with his car. But that's brutal. Uh, the the scouting report has not been strong, so I think it's probably <laughs> going to have to be along the lines of when Calgary was trying to get away from the Monaghan contract, Cam would have to pay me $500 to then take his car. (laughs) Wow. He reversed Uno'd it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, How much would I pay for Cam's car? It's quite not for their PK. Poor poor asset management by Cam, so I feel like he has to to pony up. And then I will flip that and uh, end up making $20,000 off of it, is basically how this is all played out. See, I know. This is the problem. is I know a couple of factors. I've been through this every day. With Cam during the week, I've heard the stories in the group chat. Oh, this is back in the shop, and insurance said this, and the mechanic said that. I also know that Cam lives his life a quarter mile at a time. Oh, oh no! Right, and does not treat that thing like a baby. (laughs) So you're talking about a car that's been in the shop. I don't think it gets washed a lot, but I also think it gets used an awful lot. So I think the accelerator. Is probably more worn out than most cars. <laughs> so I think it's worth something. Like sentimentally, yes. Oh, God, I wouldn't give you five grand for it. That's brutal. And I know you're making payments on it, but I just, I couldn't do it. I, I'm not making payments the on it. Carfax on you. it's bad. There's no way. <laughs> it's clean. Couldn't That's the only it. reason I bought it was it was a clean car. It was when you got it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, how, not uh, anymore. The, the, the real answer would depend entirely on how much gas is in the car at the time. And he also has to <laughs> use a special premium gas for it. That's a oh, major no-no for me. Oh, <laughs> wouldn't God. ever. That's yeah, like gross. The, yeah, like the oh yeah. Oh, I hate that. It's it's the worst thing ever. When I see that number go over a dollar sixty a liter, I kind of cry a little bit on the inside. Take a box because now it's more than my hourly wage per liter. <laughs> <laughs> It's rough. Yeah. Uh, that's the first of our Friday DMs. Keep sending them in at 960-960. If you've got questions for me and PK, let them roll. Uh, this one, I like this one. If the Flames won the draft lottery, is there any way you could be persuaded to trade back in the draft? What would it take? Uh, it would take a, a wildly irresponsible amount. And that, that's not to say that uh, I think Celebrini is going to be the next Bedard or anything like that, but it does feel like Celebrini is a couple of tiers ahead of everyone else in, in this particular draft. And when you are doing the hold thing for uh, for a retool or rebuild or whatever, the exact purpose of that is to try to get high-end talent. And if you get that lottery ticket, you kind of just hold on to it. So unless you are getting a couple of pieces that can really be needle movers and game changers, I just simply wouldn't do it because the expectation is that Celebrini can be that type of a player. So I just... It would take a wildly irresponsible amount for me to to trade that first pick. I have what I would consider a wildly irresponsible offer. Okay, and I uh, the best I can do is I'll equate it to. I will not take Cam's car. What a yeah, no, that won't do it. Um, if you want to be an NFL GM, mm-hmm. dying to get a quarterback, and you want to send me the next three years first round pick or something like that, I would probably be persuaded to. 
to look into that as long as your first round pick this year is comparable, like say still top 10. Yeah. But you're right. Celebrini and the fact that Celebrini plays center and with Lindholm gone, I think that immediately becomes this team's main focus is finding a number one center over the next couple of years. I wouldn't take that chance. No. So and and like with all due respect to the guys that come later, the Caden Lindstrom's of the draft, the uh, Berkeley Catton, those kind of guys that also play center. I wouldn't pass up on a chance of getting a center there. No, no. And uh, like, unless you could do something similar to what the bears just did, where they turned the Bryce young pick into what will probably be Caleb Williams plus DJ Moore and the pick that turned into Jalen Carter. Obviously that doesn't go to Chicago, but if you can turn that into three potential game changers, then yes. Now football, a little bit different where you see the results of it right away. That doesn't necessarily play out in the NHL all as often, but yeah, like if you, if you could turn one game changer into three, then yeah, you would try to do that. But I just, I think it would be really difficult. Like I said yesterday to make, Four quarters equal a dollar on this one. Uh, hey, guys, your thoughts on the Vince McMahon debacle from Ian. Dude uh, should probably be in jail. That's, yeah. that's where I'm going to. If if any part of the 67-page lawsuit is true, then uh, he should spend exactly zero more seconds as a free man, and he is absolute pure evil. And now there's a, a federal investigation going into it. I fear that we're going to, to learn a lot more. No, I get fear would be the wrong word. Like, we need to know about like the disgusting culture that apparently has been let go on there for a long time and how the organization is planning on, on fixing that. So I, I just, yeah, it, it is absolutely disgusting. And that feels like it's not doing it justice. Uh, Braden Calgary curious. Do you guys play D and D? You know, I would probably strike you as the type, uh, but I, I do not play D and D. I got into it a bit with a couple of good buddies. Um, it took me some time they got into it further than I did, and I think the the interest gap kind of separated us. I'd like to try it again. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I think it's a, a and if you have a good group of guys, I know that's probably super nerdy to some people out there, but um, I had a lot of fun doing it. I think I just need more time uh, to really dive into it. Like so. I I dance around that on the the kind of nerd um tiers, I guess. Sure. You know, like I'll I'll sit down and play like 6-hour board games and do my buddies and I about once a month sit down and play some Madden 06 on Nintendo <laughs> GameCube. Yes, we do. Do I like comic book movies? Uh-huh. I just haven't fully crossed that threshold into uh D&D or, or Magic the Gathering or anything like that. Uh for PK, who's on your wrestling Mount Rushmore? Ooh, uh, Vince uh, McMahon, <laughs> Brock Lesnar. Right. Um, it, it would be Bret Hart for sure. The boogeyman. Obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the gobbledygooker. Brutus the Barber Beefcake. No, uh, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and uh, Bad Dude, but Hulk Hogan. What was the little uh, Hornswoggle? Irish guy? Hornswoggle. Yeah. Remember Hornswoggle from my wrestling watching days. The uh, the tadpole splash is one of the funniest names for a move in the history of professional wrestling. Um, my question: Why does Toast land brown side down? Boy, haven't um, haven't looked at the physics of that, so I don't know. Not smart enough to answer that kind no. of question. Uh, this I, told, I knew this was happening with PK being in here, but Matt <laughs> and Cochran. Uh, it's WrestleMania season. Favorite match or best fantasy dream match? Oh, Fantasy Dream Match is quite the one. It's been talked about a bunch lately uh, just because he has a podcast and stuff. Kurt Angle against Bret Hart would have been an absolute masterclass. 
and um, would have been just uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, best, my favorite match of all time is the Omega Okada match that went 60 minutes in their feud. I think that was at Duntaku in uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But that that one is is definitely one of them. And then the, the WrestleMania 25 match with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels is uh, honorable mention there. Uh, this is the Friday DMs. It's Logan and Peter Klein along with you answering all of your burning questions. No limits. If you want to talk about it, choose the text at 960-960. We're closing out the week. Um, with whatever the text line wants to talk about. Uh, let's go with Jared from Seton. Uh, he says, ever been disc golfing? How'd it go for you? Would love to do a round or two with you guys. I have been disc golfing uh, with a buddy and his now wife. I loved it. It was actually mm. a lot of fun. I had no idea what disc golfing was. I didn't know that Calgary had multiple disc golfing courses. Um, that's actually a really fun way to spend a, a summer or fall evening, super low cost, but yep. uh, I had a blast doing it. I'd like to do more of it. I, I have done it before. My brother-in-law got really into it during the, the pandemic. I was not aware that there were different types of discs. Like you have like your putting oh, yeah. disc and you're like for all intents and purposes, your driver and stuff like that. Like I didn't realize the similarities to it. I am quite bad at it. Um, <laughs> Like I, I on the sports spectrum, I always fall into I do better than you would think someone who sits and talks all day would do. Sure. But I do worse than someone who you would think would do when they're six foot four and played sports in school. You know, like I, I fall right in the middle of I somehow exceed and um disappoint. At the yeah, same disappoint time. all at the same time. <laughs> so like I, I, I really do enjoy it and it's something I, I wouldn't mind getting into more. I am just like a lot of things, quite bad at it. Um, yeah, and to that point, if you're uh, like our generation that likes just finding videos on the internet, uh, find some disc golf videos. There are some guys that are absolutely insanely talented <clears throat> at disc golf and go on like super hard courses and tracks, like in between trees and up and down hills, like stuff like that, where it's, it's actually quite fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go with this one. Uh, Sixers are proposing uh, a rule change in hockey. Uh, let's go with this. If there's a penalty called with less than two minutes left in the game, the game is extended by that length of the power play. Ooh. So if there's a puck over the glass with seven seconds left, the team gets the entire power play and the period gets extended by 153. If you're winning, you can decline the power play and the game ends at the 20 minute mark. That's real. So kind of like a, a boxing don't you you can't be saved by the bell sort of a, a situation. I where you can't be saved by a penalty coming to an end or by a period coming to an end. I kind of like that one. I think it's a little bit intriguing. I've I, I've heard way worse rule suggestions than that. I think its likelihood is slim to none, but I like it. I I would I would implement that in the Peter Klein Hockey League. I would implement that if they put that out as a rule on the NHL video game. I would I would put it in. Uh, Klein, you mentioned that you're maybe more into the board game side of things than maybe a D&D. What are some of your favorite board games? God, it's such a cliche for board game people, but I do love Settlers of Catan. Um, it's a good game. Yeah, it really I, is. I absolutely, absolutely love that. Absolutely. I played it a bunch in high school because, again, super cool. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, 
Uh, I've been playing a game called... So mean yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I know it, but it it still catches me off guard. Yeah, well, you know, every now and then... Hey, it's gotten a lot better, but I like to pop it back in there every now and then. But um, I've been playing a game with uh, um, noted celebrity John Muma from... uh, Oh, yeah, he's very tall. Very tall. Um, It's called Ark Nova. It, It sounds super nerdy, but you basically spend four hours building a zoo. But it is so much fun. And again, on the nerd tip, my brother-in-law has a game called uh, Dice Thrones, uh, but with Marvel characters, and that one is an absolute blast as well. Uh, I'm big on Villainous, which mm, uh, is yes. also in the Disney Marvel realm. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time. Really a lot of fun. Um, this one says, I worked with the Cuban assassin, best person ever. Uh, who's the best person you ever worked with? Uh, well, obviously Logan Gordon, uh, but if, twenty dollars well spent. Yeah, there you go. Uh, if we we're talking about in the professional wrestling world, there have been so many who have been like super nice to me. Um, RJ City, who is getting a lot of run now in AEW, drove me to my first wrestling event uh, that I ring announced in Toronto. And when I moved back out here, I was super nervous and basically having a panic attack in the locker room. And uh, Scrap Daddy and now the Raw General Manager, Adam Pierce, uh, came up to me and was super cool uh, about it. He started by ripping out a chunk of my uh, chest hair. But after that, <laughs> it, like he was kind of like, a, hey, dummy, calm down. You're part of the show. Everything's going to be fine. We want you to be great, so let's just move on with it. And it was great. And then he lovingly kicked a chair at me after, but in a, the most inclusive way possible. So I, I will give uh, I will give Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce the uh, the, the love there. <laughs> that's a, that's just a wonderful story that I I hope sticks with me forever. <laughs> uh, guys, what amount of almonds is the right amount of almonds? Nine question mark. Well, I housed a thing of chocolate almonds each of the three days. Were those I came almonds? In here I didn't yeah. even know. I thought they might have just been just pure milk chocolate. No, I thought they were. Uh, cra- no, not craisins. The um, oh, Cam, like, help me out here. Glosset raisins. I yeah, glosset. No yeah, glosset. Yeah, I thought no. that, I thought those might have been them. They, they, they were almonds. Were, they were chocolate almonds. Yeah. So so what was the right amount then? What uh, was how many was in the bag? More than nine. More than nine. Yeah. So I, I would say. I would get in the 12 to 15 range, probably. Yeah, if you're at 16, it's too many almonds. Yeah. Stop at 16. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to help me out with this one, PK. Okay. What about RCL the Stomper Goldie <laughs> on Mount Rushmore? That um, could be a troll text, and I'd have no idea. Yeah, that's um, it, it, Archie the, the Stomper Goldie. Um, that is that's a, not my fault. That was a spelling error on the text. Yeah, that, that is a, a throwback to, to days of uh, days gone by in Stampede Wrestling. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll put him in the, the honorable mention category. Uh, Jay- <laughs> this may surprise you. He hit the reputa- his Wikipedia page. He had the reputation for stomping on his opponents. I can't believe that. How did you get that? <laughs> uh, Jane Silverado. Who's uh, thrown in some rule suggestions and all-star suggestions, maybe even as quickly as Thursday's show, uh, texting in saying, what are your thoughts on future all-star games being outdoor games and being sticks in the middle? I've heard it before, Jay. Yeah, feels... God, it feels so familiar. Do you believe in deja vu? I don't know. Maybe. Um, Like I said, I'm for it. I I like it. I I, I think that it, it... I don't love that outdoor games affect regular season standings so it is a fun way to celebrate the game go back to the roots and have it be a, a really fun event uh this text just from raj's wrestlemania dream match hbk versus the rock that would have been excellent yes yeah that, that would have been a whole lot of fun to do for sure uh speaking of rule changes what do you guys think of no offsides in transition it would effectively kill the neutral zone trap 
and less than the amount of dump and chase we see. I am big no offsides just in general. I, I am very pro no offside, uh, just getting rid of the rule entirely. And people then say, oh, well, you'd get cherry pickers. Like, okay, if you want to just give me a power play because my guy wants to stand back by the blue line, then go nuts. I'll take the five on four. Um, I, I think it would really open things up and we would get rid of the stupid offside reviews. Uh, Gordon Tescany getting right to it. Uh, do either one of you want to do some roller derby announcing in May? Oh, I've never done roller derby, but I think that could be fun. I'd give it a go. I've I've probably got nothing planned. Yeah, I can't imagine. I have a whole lot going on. Uh, depend on the Oak Jokes dog schedule, but yeah, uh, Gord, uh, reach out in my uh, DMs at Primetime Klein. Let me know. How much money's involved, Gord? Uh, lots of experience. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about our jobs, Brian. Right, We're yeah, talking yeah. about roller derby in May, <laughs> not the Rogers paper. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, my mistake. Uh, I think that about does it. That was a very successful first edition of the Friday DM. Thank you for texting in at nine six zero nine six zero. It's our new way of closing out the week on uh, Fridays of Sportsnet today. So uh, we'll look forward to doing that again next week, either with Klein or Julian or whoever. Uh, happens to be in the co-host chair. And uh, speaking of which, uh, PK, thanks for hopping in this week, man. It was a lot of fun, as always. Yeah, this was a blast. I um, I, I really enjoyed this, and uh, I'm happy we got quite a bit to talk about. This is back-to-back all-star breaks that I've uh, I've come in and pinch hit for, and both times we've got a lot, thanks to the Vancouver Canucks, just yeah. on, uh, on different ends of trading away one's only all-star. Uh, if you want more of Peter Klein, check him out on Twitter at Primetime Klein. Uh, and of course, the, uh, the Couch Potato Diaries, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Is that accurate? Yep, that is 100% accurate. Uh, appreciate you, PK. Appreciate Cam, uh, our outstanding producer on this Friday. Uh, thanks to our guests, Sam Cosentino and Marat Atesh. If you missed any of our uh, content, check us out on the podcast. They go up moments after every show finishes. Uh, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. Would love to have you along for the ride. Uh, When we come back next week, we'll get ready for uh, post-All-Star break schedule for the Calgary Flames. Pat Steinberg will be back, so Flames Talk will be back in its uh, regularly timed schedule, and uh, we'll start to look at what the Flames look like post-Elias Lindholm era. And a nice uh, ease in against the Boston Bruins. (laughs) Nice and easy. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Uh, skills competition is coming your way. We're going to take you to Toronto. Our pals out in Toronto, Sportsnet 590, the fan, uh, bringing you live coverage of the all-star uh, skills competition. we got the tournament coming up this weekend. There's the Pro Bowl. Um, supposed to snow, so stay safe. Oh, um, really? Apparently. Oh. I, I, I don't that. trust the weather, but you never know. Um, it could happen. Uh, enjoy your weekend. We will check in with you again next week. Uh, for Peter Klein and Cam Hughes, I'm Logan Gordon. Uh, keep it locked right here. All-Star Skills Competition coverage in Toronto coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.